I would like to introduce you just in quick. So you're a senior developer advocate for Amazon Web Services, speaker, author, and several books that mm -hmm. you that you wrote. Can you can you introduce a bit more about your story and how how did it start? Yeah, so I'm I'm, I'm a traded web and mobile developer. Um, I just now started getting into the advocacy or the evangelism, and I think it kind of ties in really closely to me with what I like to do because I'm already really interested in speaking. I'm interested in writing. I'm interested in kind of creating content, but I'm also interested in creating things with code. So putting all that together kind of fits that role pretty good. That's so awesome. And um, so when we when we talk about um, front-end development and full-stack development at the moment, how do you see actually the future of full-stack development? Yes, that's definitely one of the things I'm really interested in. And I think that in the past, full-stack development meant you had to understand everything on the back end and everything on the front end. And on the back end, that got pretty hairy. It got pretty complicated, understanding how to create and manage servers, how to deal with databases, APIs, all that stuff. On the front end, it wasn't so bad. I think what we're seeing now is kind of a shift. It's becoming more complex on the front end and less complex on the back end. Not saying that building things on the back end is becoming easier, but there are now more abstractions that you can leverage using cloud technologies like some of the stuff that we're working on, but also some of the stuff that's just out there in general. Microsoft, Google, of course, have their clouds. And then there's a lot of um, startups and companies that are building serverless technologies that are kind of making the back end part easier. So I think what we're seeing is traditionally front-end developers becoming full-stack developers, not in the traditional sense of them being able to build full-stack applications in the old way, but in the new way. I see. Your presentation today was quite about the demo and you just made it live to us. Can you give us some brief about this presentation? Yeah, so um, the, the idea came from another project that I opened-sourced a few months ago called Conference App in a Box. And what it basically was was taking an idea for an app that people build over and over and over again, but there's really no need to keep building the same app over and over, a conference app, and trying to package it up into something that could be reused and dynamic at the same time. So when you think of WordPress, the reason that WordPress became so popular, was so um, you know widespread and people are still using it is because within just a few minutes, you can deploy the database, the client, the server, all of the different pieces that need to have to kind of build something good. Um, I think what we're seeing now with some of these newer technologies is the ability to kind of do that, but maybe using more modern, modern technology. So Conference App in the Box was uh, the conference version of that, Conference App version of that. It did really well. Um, we've had, I've interacted and worked with over 30 people that are using it for their events, and I've had hundreds and, and even thousands of people downloading it and using it. Um, to build our own app. So what uh, the idea was after that was what if we could rebuild something like WordPress using this same idea. So um, I spent the last few months building something called Jamstack CMS and it's built using modern technologies like Gatsby, server-side rendering, React on the front end. And on the back end, it's using uh, managed identity services, it's using Lambda functions, it's using GraphQL. And I packaged everything into a single repository that can be deployed from the command line in just a few a few minutes. So what you end up with is, just like with WordPress where you have all of these things deployed just within a few minutes, you can now do that and again, in what I think is like the future modern way. I don't think Jamstack CMS will become what WordPress is, but I think what it will become is, in my opinion, kind of laying the groundwork 
for the future things that we're going to see. And people hopefully will take the idea and run with it and maybe build something even better. We'll see. <laughs> that sounds really amazing. I think that's a, that's a big problem to solve. So um, we see that ourselves as well. So um, when, you, when you build this, it's actually deployable. It's easy. You pull it and then you deploy it to your server and, and it's working now. Yeah, so okay. for version, the version I have now, it's a beta version. You need to have an AWS account and you have to uh, just have that account. And then if you have that, you can deploy it. So it goes into your account, the back end kind of goes, you know, does everything under the hood. You don't really have to do anything. You just have to run, I think, three command line uh, commands and then everything is ready to go. It launches also the front end. Um, I think for version one in a six months or so, when we finally get to that V1, we're out of beta. I would like to have it configurable with other cloud services. So mm -hmm. people might want to use Netlify, they might want to use Google Cloud or Azure. I want to find if there's a way to make it pluggable and that way we're not limiting to only AWS yeah. customers. Nice open source project. Yeah, that's what open source, <laughs> okay. you know. When we talking about um, your technology, that your domains uh, going on, how, how, how do you see at the moment adoption, how quick it is? To adopt those technologies, and what what can um, it help as a as a developer usability uh, perspective? So it depends on the tech, but what you're saying is few technologies are becoming very very popular, yeah. and a lot of technologies are not, are not catching on. So there are a few things that you see that have gotten really popular and become really useful. So people that have adopted GraphQL or React or Vue early have gotten paid you know, off because of that, that uh, you know, call or that investment from Tom. But during you know, the process of us seeing like Vue and all these things come out, there have been thousands or tens of thousands of other things that we don't, we don't really see or are aware of. I think being able to kind of like identify what's gonna be hot and what's gonna be useful is a very you know, good skill to have. And I think it's something that you just kind of learn over time. But um, I think you know, there's a few ways to kind of do that. Just the, the company driving the project a lot of times will determine its success or the person. And this is unfortunate because sometimes the best things are not, you know, the ones that catch on because people, you know, may not have a reach or an audience or they not, may not be a big company or an influencer. So no one sees what they've done, whereas something that might not be as good does get that traction. But what you do end up seeing happen is even if that does happen, the community comes in if it's open source and makes it better. So just being able to identify the things that are kind of becoming, you know, popular and riding that wave is important. Okay. Um, if you can give us some hints on the latest three to five tools that you would recommend for new coming tool stack developers, what would be those tools? So, I mean, of course I'm very biased because <laughs> I work at AWS and I of really, course. really enjoy the stuff that I work on. So I'm gonna just say, other than Amplify and AppSync, which are the things that I really like and that I work on, I think Auth0 has been around for a while, but it's still very, very good and getting a lot of momentum. It's very similar to what we have at Amazon, called Amazon Cognito. Netlify is obviously becoming really popular. We have Amplify Console, it's very, very similar. Um, I think anything in the serverless paradigm is you know, something that's, that's gonna be catching on and something I would keep an eye on. Also, anything that increases developer velocity and developer efficiency. So to me, that's like cross-platform frameworks. Flutter and React Native continue to 
improve and become better and better. Ionic uh, is actually just released a web version. And I think that's going to do really well because the web platform is becoming better and better. And the ease of use with Ionic is much easier than with React Native or Flutter. So the average web developer can start building mobile apps pretty quickly. I think Ionic is something I would also keep an eye on. Oh, thank you. So what what tools do you recommend or what do you, what do you see uh, which helps to improve developer velocity and uh, team uh, work together? So what I've really you know been excited about, and a lot of other people are too, again, falls into this serverless paradigm. And when you talk about serverless, it doesn't mean just serverless functions or functions as a service. It's more about um, abstractions over managing your own service or managing your own thing. So functions as a service falls into this category of, uh, of as a service. So anything that you could fall into a category of as a service falls into something that would improve developer velocity, improve developer efficiency, because therefore the developer doesn't have to implement this thing. They can use something that someone else has already built that's probably better than what they're going to build anyway. And then they can worry about focusing on the business value of whatever they're trying to build. So what that basically means for AWS is we have something like Amazon Cognito, which is a managed identity service. So instead of building out your authentication layer, you can just hook into an existing one and it's free for up to 50,000 users. So most of the time, if you're building something, you're not gonna be charged for it anyway. If it does really well, you start paying, which is kind of like the whole point. You want your thing to do well. Um, and then you think of, uh, what about the data layer, which is extremely important. Um, what we've really focused on is around enabling developers to kind of be able to build and deploy different APIs quickly and test them out, and then be able to tear them down if they don't want to use them. So we have something called AWS AppSync, which integrated with AWS Amplify, allows you to deploy GraphQL APIs that are managed GraphQL APIs. So you spin up the API, you don't have to worry about maintaining it or dealing with anything. It's kind of like there, and you can throw as much traffic at it as it, to it as you want stays up and running, and you can, again, kind of focus on building the app and not worrying about handling the infrastructure. And I think anything that allows you to do that, you know, not deal with the infrastructure is really good. So um, for us, that's Amplify and AppSync, that's uh, Amazon Cognito, that's DynamoDB, which is the serverless database. Um, S3 is something everyone has been using for years. That falls into that category, managed storage service. Okay, uh, what sort of challenges do you see as a full-stack developer most of the time? So, um, there's a really nice idea, <laughs> nice uh, example, which I always wanted to ask. So, what can you do with those uh, droplets or, or those servers which you forget to, to, to tear down or, or something like that? Do you have any solution for that? Or how can you prevent that you burn so much money on Amazon? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you just have to understand, you know, that when you put something up, it's going to be there and you're going to be charged for it. But again, that kind of pushes people towards serverless because yeah. unless you're using it, you're not going to be charged for it yeah. when you're using a serverless service. Whereas with your EC2 or digital ocean droplet or whatever other actual server instance, yeah. you have to pay that every month, yeah. even if you never touch it. But if you if you spin up a thousand Lambda functions and never use them, you actually don't get charged for anything. Yeah. Okay. So I would say try to move away from things that cost you money when you're not using it. So serverless. Serverless, yeah. That's, that's a solution. Okay. That's, I mean, not for everything, but for most things, yeah. Okay. I'm happy. For, in my opinion, you know, that's just my opinion. Okay. Have you had any major drawbacks in your last projects that you would give as a hint or what you learned that you would give, give out to the community? 
uh, yeah. to solve. <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, we mentioned Jamstack CMS earlier that I released today, and you know, it came down to the last few minutes or the last hour or two before I went on stage to, to release it because um, I had assumed I would have this week in Prague to kind of like work, finish the app, and I had a few small things that I thought wouldn't take very long. But if you've ever built a piece of software, you know the last 10% usually takes 90% of the time, and that's the case this time. So I ended up spending like most of last night up trying to fix a bug, a couple of other polish I needed to do before I could release this app. Um, but if anyone wants to help out, they can. it's an open source project, Jamstack CMS. You know, definitely uh, check it out and contribute to it. And um, I would just recommend that people, if they're building something big and that's a, a very large, ambitious project, just like take it one day at a time, build things. Don't try to really, like I did, set a date when you want to release something because it kind of sometimes will, you know, I don't know, maybe uh, push you a little too hard, <laughs> but release it whenever you're ready to release it. There's no, there's no rush. It's good to hear that we are all still humans, yes. even, even on, a, on a level <laughs> that you are, are playing on. So um, how do you see now the current community? So community development is quite strong in Europe, in the US as well, what I see at the moment. How do you see, how hard is to attract the right talent? Uh, yeah, at the moment? So, that's a tough thing that's happening right now. I mean, I think it's just a very, very complicated and, and hard thing to solve. I mean, if you wanted to kind of lay it out though in a simple manner, it comes down to the culture and it comes down to, you know, the location sometimes or the option to work remotely. I think what you're seeing though is kind of like the people that are winning the best developers have really awesome people working there and it makes me want to go work with those people. So how do you attract those first good people? I don't really know the answer to that, but maybe just having a really good culture, maybe throwing a lot of money at an influencer and bringing them on. And then having those people, that's, you know, no one has said that they've done that, but I mean, I've seen, in my opinion, what uh, people have done that. It's not a bad idea, actually. Um, I also think that, um, you know, offering a lot of money, you know, doesn't hurt, you know, and, and these are things that you have to really have a good company with a lot of money to be able to do. So it's, it's kind of tough for startups these days, I think. Um, I don't know. I think the one opportunity that a lot of people don't use, utilize, that they could is working remote. Yeah. <laughs> allowing remote people because I've seen companies hire the best people in the world that would have never come to work with them if it wasn't for remote, but they're getting them because they're offering the remote uh, opportunity. So if you're hiring someone that's three times X of a good of a developer, you know, possibly as this other person, let them work remote. They're still going to actually do more work and do get more accomplished and you're going to, everyone's going to be better off for it. Do you see organizations which are working really great with, with uh, remote devs, or what techniques do you see inside those companies? Because you do a lot of advocacy, so probably you saw a lot. Yeah, I mean, I think some of the best teams that I've seen are Infinite Red, I've seen uh, Gatsby, and I've seen Netlify. I think all three of those companies are really, you know, showing what can be done with an open culture of allowing people to be remote. I don't really know exactly, you know, the ins and outs of what they've done, but they are very, uh, they, have, they just have awesome people working there. I think when you have awesome people working there, everything just kind of like, it's easier and you attract better, better people. So. Thank you. Yeah. How do you like uh, Reactive Prof 2019? Wow, so I didn't know what to expect because I've never been here before. And um, 
I hear, always hear about Reactive Comp, so this is my first time to be able to come. And I've probably been to like literally 50 conferences, so didn't know what to expect, but I mean, I'm actually blown away about how good this conference is. It's probably one of the best conferences I've been to, just because everything is so well done. The food and uh, was really, really good. The conference venue is really nice. Everything is just really well done. And Prague is a beautiful city. I think having all that stuff put together just makes it for a really great event. And I hope I get to come back again next year. <laughs> so, as well. Yeah. <laughs>